Hello and welcome back to the Dash Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gimmage, and I have with me today a brother I met a few weeks ago in Baltimore, Maryland, by the name of Rob King. He's an activist, he's a speaker, and he's an advocate for, for young folks to, to get us on the right path and uh, fix your mind. He's got a book called In My Mind for a Day by Rob King, and I'm really excited to talk to this man. Super powerful speaker, Rob, in Baltimore with the Maryland School Psych Association. You really you really snapped off and you really made a connection with your story and tying it into what a lot of our kids are going through, man. So that's my introduction for you. Everybody that's listening, you're in for a, a real treat today. Um, we're going to get into a conversation with him. And of course, before we get going, uh, this episode is brought to you by SEL Educators. And you can find out more at seleducators.com. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube at SEL Educators as well. Rob, how you doing, sir? I'm good, Trey. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Living the life, living the dream. You know, I have to say, and we can start with that that Maryland conference because that was a that was a moment for me. You know, and I think it was uh, for you, for you, myself, and and Dr. Byron McClure, Doc himself. You know, getting to to present the what we got to present ten culturally affirming practices for your school community. Um, it was powerful. You know, it, it was powerful, Robin. Um, I'm excited to dig into your conversation. Is there anything else? What else do people need to know about your activism and, and, and oh, what yeah. you got going on with youth in schools? Oh yeah. So one of the things, uh, recent things that I'm I'm shooting for Trey is a production that I'm trying to get off the ground. It's called the Aftermath. So the Aftermath is basically about, uh, you know, you can shoot somebody, kill somebody, but you know, the aftermath, you don't stick around for. So after the gun mm -hmm. smoke, after the gunshots rang out, the gun smoke's clear, it's a body on the ground, mm -hmm. live shattered. You know what I mean? I mean, so, man, it's, it's, it's devastation after that. And a lot of people, you know, that might commit this crime for whatever reason, for whatever reason, right, Trey, they don't uh, stick around. They don't stick around to, to pick up the pieces. Mm. So Rob, man, the aftermath, you hit on so many pieces right there in, in terms of what happens after a death or a murder happens and all the pieces that are there to pick up. And, and did you say it's the community that doesn't stick around after a murder to pick up those pieces it's, in the aftermath? It's the perpetrator that don't perpetrator. stick around. You know mm. what I'm saying? Um, mm. Nobody sticks around for that. Because mm. of course they try and get away, but it's like so much devastation mm. um, that takes place after that. Yeah, you should hear you should hear some of the stories of some of the mothers. I just talked to someone the other day, and um, and um, I, I believe this mother had more than one of her sons killed, and um, she one of the story is that uh, she keeps her son's bloody clothes, the clothes he was she wow. he was actually murdered in, and it's been five years, mm. and um, keep his his room is the same as well. She don't mm. she she want to try to keep things as close as possible as what they used to be mm. you know what i mean so it, it's just it, it's devastating uh, impact that it have on especially yeah. these mothers so man rob so i kind of want to work backwards with you you know and, and and i i know we can go in chronological chronological order and talk about where you started and how you got to where you're at now but you're advocating right now you're speaking on uh murder you're speaking yes. on cleaning up the streets in 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 your work, and I, I mentioned you're an advocate, an advocate, and an activist. 
What are you an advocate for and what is your activism? Yeah, so I'm an advocate for, for peace, forgiveness, um, uh, restored, restorative justice, you know what I mean? Um, wholeness, I'm an advocate for that all day long. Peace, love, wholeness, all these things, um, because I know that we need it. I know that we mm. need it. Welcome back to the Dash Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gamage, and our goal is to spread awareness and action around SEL. We do this through interviewing school and SEL leaders, reviewing articles, and developing adult social-emotional skills. You can subscribe to our show and our other content on YouTube at SEL Educators, or you can find us at Apple Podcasts and Spotify by typing in my name, Trey Gamage, in the Dash Podcast. Thanks for listening. But yeah, most definitely, Trey, um, I'm, I'm most definitely advocating for young black males. I, I don't shy away from our sisters, but I most definitely advocate for our young black males because I feel like Generation X, from which I come from, um, will be passed down, man, was a lot of... Uh, uh, low standards and a mm. lot of death, man, and um, a lot of hatred. And mm. actually, some of these kids inherited some of the beefs that we uh, created. And yeah. and um and and the, the things that I do when I advocate for them. So you know, I do a lot of uh, I do a lot of what I call dramatic presentations. So they 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 uh, presentations that. Some of the scenarios I create, uh, some of the things that they go through in life, like just identity crisis. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of them identify with want to be demons and anything else besides human. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I use, I might like you see, I I use the uh, the lion costume. So I might use the lion costume and, and help identify with them. Hey, listen, I understand what you have to do every day. Mm. I, I understand that your your community is 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 volatile and it's hostile. And understand that you gotta sometimes wake up every day and pretend to be something that you're not in order to survive. So basically I come along with that costume and say, ah, right, you can take it off. I understand what you're going through. You can take it mm -hmm. off, man. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And we can do it step by step, you know, because sometimes take peeling off those layers, right? Of trying to survive so long, yeah. sometimes, you know, you get lost in that. And you're afraid. So we just kind of help them, you know, feel comfortable with understanding, hey, your validation don't got to come with some of these codes in the street that these codes in the street that 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 normally uh, mm -hmm. death comes, death comes with it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Death mm -hmm. comes with it. And it's, it's no way to live. It's no yeah. way to live. Yeah. For real. So when we met, we were presenting to uh, school psychologists, primarily in the state of Maryland. And your presentation was geared towards helping them understand, like, as a psychologist, we're dealing with the students that have significant needs. They need they need major support. And the presentation that you delivered came from a place that helped them understand who they're talking to. Yes. And and you're talking about advocating for young black boys. You know, and you mentioned that that we and it's so real, Rob. You mentioned yeah. that young black boys identify as beasts, as demons. Yeah. yeah. That hurts me to say. Uh, honestly, that that kind of hurts to say that yeah. that's how we identify and it's a crisis. And so, Rob, man, the way that you 
were able to tell the story about your upbringing and your trials and your tribulations and how you put on the mask of a beast and it wasn't real. Mm -hmm. I think that story resonates um, or resonated with that crowd. Can you give me kind of a, um, you know, I'm, I'm working backwards a little bit. So I think you've set us up well. We, we know you're an advocate. We know you're an activist. We know you advocate for black boys and we have um, the information that it's about violence and you're you're advocating for um, honestly a language that we don't know how to really speak ourselves. Yeah. And so you come until you're in a position that you're in and, and, and we're recording this episode at the time of um, uh, takeoff just died from Migos and was killed by from what I've heard from one of his um, one of his homies, you know, and somebody was wearing a mask and unfortunately that that beast was let out and that might not be who that person really was so can you kind of walk me through and, and this may be your story now or it may be the story we told at, at MSPA but talk me through that concept Robin and whether through your own lens and your experience or how young black boys are wearing a mask and we don't know how to take it off yeah I think that we made it a thing. Like I, I'm, I always say this: that what the millennials and Generation Z consider be the norms, their social norms, in reference to it's no. They say with the youngest, what they say: when I see you, it's on site. Mm. It's like no conflict resolution. We're not gonna talk this out. It ain't gonna be no peace. I'm gonna bust your head. I'm gonna hit your head. We always gonna resolve it. It's always going to be resolved in the most violent way possible. And they think you get a badge of honor mm. for that. Because if right? you don't respond like that, you all kinds of words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, like you weak. Because that's what makes me mad mm -hmm. about this culture, right? Mm -hmm. See, I'm not going to, see, you're not going to come and tell me, hey, this the culture and that's what, that's, that's what it is. When I know in the 70s, when I was coming up, the same stories I was telling uh, when we was out in Maryland, I know that at one point, I did not have to worry about, was I going to die tomorrow? Was my mm. friends going to die tomorrow? Matter of fact, we weren't even having no gunshots like that. Mm. We wasn't seeing no guns or none of that. I remember we couldn't get our hands on nothing like that. Mm. It just wasn't a thing. It, it was not a thing. What the norm for us was was a boys and girls club. Um, you might get in a fight here and there, but we ain't killing each other. Mm -hmm. It wasn't no black on black. What we see right now, 14 and 15 year old kids killing each other. Mm. Nah, that wasn't, a, that wasn't a social norm back then. Mm. So what happens is Generation X, when they brought all them drugs and them guns in here, Trey, this is what we did. We created what CFSA called Communities of Violence. Children Family Service Administration. Okay, okay. And they reported <laughs> that we created communities of violence. Yes, they they identified with the communities in Washington, D.C. They they uh they identified with some of the communities as communities of violence. And they in, in that report, they saying that um as man mandated reporters, right? We supposed to report like child neglect or child abuse. Mm. We don't report things that's in reference to that may take place in um in what they would call a community of violence. We won't mm. report violence. We only reporting 
abuse, and neglect. Wow. But they identify with these with a lot of these environments or neighborhoods as <clears throat> violence of uh, communities of violence, wow. which I keep saying that Generation X created what they are calling communities of violence. And I'm saying all this stuff that they keep doing with this whole thing as identifying as being a killer or mm-hmm. having a need to prove yourself as a man violently, right? It's a thing that that involved and it, and, and it started with us. And let me tell you, we did it so good, we set it in stone. Mm. It's almost it's almost unshakable. That's why we see we listen. We gave birth to what we see right now. Mm. That's our baby. All that violence, what we see, um, all these young kids killing each other. We gave birth to that. Mm. And this that's was our responsibility. From the seventies going into the eighties. Eighties is the crack era, correct? Yes. So that's when you get the influx of of drugs. You probably get the same influx of guns. Um, some folks say it was the government that sent those things in. I don't know, you know, what what if that's right or wrong. The reality yeah. is we we here right now. So going yeah, going sure. through that, Rob, like being one of the creators of the community of violence or in that community, how did you um contribute to or how did you fall a victim to a community of violence? Well, with with me, um like like I said in Maryland um, at the conference, for me, part of the start was when my parents got on drugs. Um, and I was kind of forced to go outside to at least sell drugs. Now, I want to say this for the record. My parents, beautiful people, before we had this whole drug thing that came in, that ravished our family. Man, listen, my parents provided us with the best that they can do. And I'm telling you, they did. They they provided for us. We did not go without, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I can say that. However, there was an error where my parents began to use drugs. And then during this time, man, I, I, I basically had to like provide for myself. Mm. So eventually I went outside and it was easy to get drugs back then it was plentiful money was plentiful it was right out my door you know what i'm saying and all i wanted to do was just eat Mm -hmm. i I wasn't trying to get into the whole thing with the guns and all that and try and prove that i'm a gangster i go hard i'm just trying to eat man that's it but unfortunately when you go into that life it became it became dangerous Mm. you know what i'm saying so so picking up that pistol became a part of or if you want to eat at some point Damn. you gonna have to you gonna have to yeah so take take me in a little bit here too rob and if i'm if i'm asking too many questions you can let me know but if you when you stepping outside you're trying to get into the game is it like you know you see in the movies you yeah i'm just here for the taste and then you get the taste like man i need some more of this man hey this this money yeah. i could eat and i could pay my bills too i could keep yeah. let me just snowball this thing yeah. so did it get dangerous because you just wanted to dive deeper or did it get dangerous like hey you stepping in it you this is what you stepping into period well it both okay. <laughs> both so it, it is addiction that come with it because you don't want to stop because you found a way mm. to provide for yourself and then it gets like this little sweet spot to it 
where it's like, man, I this just almost looked promising. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Especially before the trouble come. So before you had to like use that pistol, it's like money, cars, and everything else. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, 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 but then as time went on, I for me personally, it was like a vain side of it that that took place within my life. I started wanting it because I saw that it get me attention. You know what I'm saying? It get me mm-hmm. attention. Some of the girls I like, it was giving me attention for them. So that was the vain side of it. Mm. So, you know, so 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 and, and then it, it it became more dangerous because the people that was playing the game started playing the game dangerously. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So then there was people we used to call the stick up boys or we used to call them robbers. So they gonna stick you up or they're gonna rob you, you're gonna kidnap you, so it started getting dangerous like that. Mm. So the game started to change. Mm. It, 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 you know, it, it, you know, I think the game was already kind of dangerous anyway. But however, it evolved when you got in it. Yeah, when I got in, it, mm. it evolved, especially amongst young people. So, yeah. so t- tell me this, because I see, I mean, and I live, I live in South Carolina, man. I'm in rural communities. I see fifth graders that throwing up gang signs or, or you know, in, in these small little 8,000 town communities that we, we claiming blood and crip and, and doing stuff like that. How long, Robin, I know I'm going to ask you specifically, but, and you could answer for yourself or generally, how long did it take you to get in the game, start getting comfortable in the game to realize like, man, I'm, I'm I might in, be in too deep right now. Like how long did that take from a minute to I'm in it. It it took it took a little minute because um the mid I, I kind of did and dab in '85 in the early the mid '80s. I kind of did and dab. Just went in, get a little money, eat. You know, That's didn't get no more pack. Get back out there. But I think as by time that late '80s, '88, '89. Mm. Then, when when all the the, the trouble came with with the beast, somebody trying to take something from you, you know what I mean. Everybody started doing this whole thing. They had this thing with with you gritting. It was this whole thing with with people just you, you acting mean, you gritting, and then you know what's a grit? Something tuck is that just a like a mm. somebody mean mugging you, mean yeah. mugging. So that that became a thing, and um we start responding off of that. Like, it's almost like, okay, now in the game, oh, now it's like, you can't let nobody do certain things mm. or do a certain way. You know what I mean? So if you get at me, I got I to gotta buck up too now. At least I'm going to mean mug you back. And, and Rob, so, and I'm, I want to just tie this in. I got little girls in my class in sixth grade, eighth grade, Rolling their neck, popping their eyes. She's staring at me, ready to pop off because somebody looking at them. It's like, yo, relax. This is all good. Like we don't gotta, we don't, we don't have to be angry off of this right now. But that's, yeah, yeah. I, and I'm just saying that so you can see, like we're talking about the street. But here's how the street shows up in the yeah. classroom. Yeah, yeah. It, it 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 trickles down. I, I call it a ripple effect because you know, you know, um, they speaks about you know one one generation and her and the, the generation before them 
you heard their dad, right? So it's, it's the same thing. It's like whatever we contribute to society and to our communities, those generations under us, they learn these behaviors. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So if they see us mean mugging, they see if it's a little girl coming with the popping her neck and rolling her eyes, you see what I'm saying? She saw somebody communicating in that yeah. way. Yeah. So they basically mimic. They mimic yeah. what they see. And, you see what I'm saying? And all we see in the classroom, especially if you're not a part of this culture, when you in the classroom, you just see a black girl with an attitude and her mom must not be raising her right or that. Oh, he must not have no daddy at home. You don't you don't see the depth of where these types of things come from. It ain't just that I'm rolling my eyes that I'm popping my neck. This is ingrained generationally down to this yes. level. And so while you trying to talk to me, I'm an SEL man. You could talk to me about SEL. My mama said F the police. If if they come mm-hmm. knocking, I ain't t- and I'm 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 making stuff up, but I, I'm 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 seeing that that connection there, Rob. Yeah. I'm yeah. seeing that connection. So yeah. so what was next? You get into the late 90s. Um, and I imagine this is the time where you start becoming and embodying that beast. Um yeah. and, and putting on, you know, and I'll let you tell that part when you put on your suit to, to look apart. And I, I kind of played down there was a part in the presentation where I said when they was trying to give me that 75 years, I said, oh, no. Nah, and I started taking it off. I learned how to do warfare in them streets. I learned how to do it. I knew how to do it. Not that I was raised in that way, but I learned how to do it and will do it. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't, that was partially kind of making a joke about it. But seriously, I learned how to do it. So, but at the same time, I still had principles and morals. So I wasn't around there just going around there putting out a gun and shooting people, killing people just because you mean mugging. Mm. Right? This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at teachbetter.com slash podcasts, and we'll see you at the next episode. So, you know, and plus we had principal morals about what we did, too. You know what I'm saying? All mm. misunderstandings and all situations don't warrant some killing. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm. It might warrant something else, but it don't necessarily warrant a yeah. killing. It would would that be, Rob, where I hear, um, <clears throat> and I'm not well-versed in this, but it's language that I have heard. I've, I've seen some some documentaries. When you talk about um, like DP or discipline for certain things, is that would that be more um, kind of gang affiliated? And, and when you like a, you hear about G code, street code, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You, you might have certain codes where you 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 run a foul on somebody and you got to get certain um, discipline for it. Is it is it on that level or is that more like West Coast street gang type stuff? It is different between from state to state because mm-hmm. when you get into like with the gangs, they got a it's it's a different set of rules with gangs. Mm-hmm. It is a little different. See, in D.C., we didn't have gangs. They used to call us crews, but we kind of we kind of went by streets. Or, mm. or you was from Northeast. You might say I'm from Northeast, you know what I'm saying, or from Southeast or Southwest or Northwest. So we weren't really like mm. – You like weren't Crips and Bloods. Gangs. Yeah, we were, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so they, they, they go by a different um, set of rules. You know what I'm mm. saying? I think they have a lot of more um, – I don't even know what you would call that, you know what I'm saying? But they got a lot of different codes, 
mm-hmm. with that when it when it comes mm-hmm. to the game. We was a little different. And that was just my little side. We don't we don't gotta go too deep in there, but I was just wondering if that was kind of the code you're talking to, but it was more so just your own values and morals or just just being a man, like I ain't gonna hurt no woman or no child, no just stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, um, and it was codes. It was codes though. It it, it was codes, but it wasn't quite like um as deep as what some of the gangs might yeah, be. Yeah, like yeah. jumping you in, blood in, blood out, nah, yeah. but like that. I got but you. we did have codes though. Gotcha. So yeah. take me through, like you mentioned, um, and and you can fill in the blank. So you you running, you become the beast of Rob King. You from from what I say, you made it. What I heard, you you made the newspaper. You you the G of the week, you know. And then you <laughs> you, you make a mistake. You got you facing seventy five years. And and hey, hold up, yeah. this ain't cool as I thought. Walk me through yeah. that that part of the journey. Uh, oh, but that part of it when I when I when I said um because FBI came to um a friend of my mother's house um and they notified me and I was living down the street and I. And I didn't think it was for me because they said it was for a, a particular friend that they was looking for. So when I told one of my my partners, he actually said, man, you sure? I was like, yeah, I'm positive. They weren't looking for me. They was looking for someone else. This FBI. So it was probably it was like a day or two later, Trey, um, my man, he said, man, I need to come see him and show you something. So when he came, he had that Washington Times mm. with, with my face on it. Mm. Wanted for murder, and mm. I, I'm mean, not I promise you. Like I said, like I said, I went through different phases, right? I, I, I was, I did, I was, I didn't grow up inspiring to be the biggest dope dealer ever, the best killer ever. You see mm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, I, that, that wasn't my inspiration. I evolved into that. However, I learned how to do it. But let me tell you something. There were certain things that hum- humbled me. And that newspaper clipping, I didn't I didn't count it as a badge of honor. Mm. I said, you know what? I'm caught. Mm. And this time right here that's going to come with that, they're going to put me away forever. It got mm. real. Mm. And I did feel like my heart went in my shoe. You see what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. it's like, it's a difference. You can be, you can act like you tough all you want. But some of them consequences, when they come up, them, them don't be like, <sighs> You know, you might not want you. Yeah. You might not want the consequences. You know, how what I mean? old were you? I was nineteen. Wow! And yeah. how old were you when you got 19. started in the game? I had to be like sixteen years old. Mm, mm, mm. I had to be like sixteen years old. Fifteen, mm. sixteen. Yeah. Mm. So, Rob, man, sixteen. I can remember, and I, I want to keep using my own examples because I think this is how it's going to connect and relate to other people who aren't in it. And, and it was told to me before, like when you are not born into a culture or a community, you got to immerse yourself in it until you can really understand. And so you're talking about things that I'm not familiar with either. So I'm trying to I'm trying to dig in, and I'm getting the same sense of understanding that you're sharing. There was a boy I knew; he was seventh grade, um, but as far as I knew, he's a uh, his 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 big brother was was running the streets. You know, his parents wasn't around. He had he's had murders throughout his life. The boy uh-huh. he fell on some hardship himself. Seventh grade, he's probably in ninth, tenth grade now. But that was you. Uh-huh. Right? You you had your parents was on drugs. You had to figure out how to eat. 
you know, and, and this young man, he was acting out in school and, and just just wouldn't do what he was supposed to do. But what else did he have to lean on? And so now he's out of school or he dropped out of school or whatever the case is. And what does his future lead to? So what was that like for you, Rob, when you saw your picture in the Washington Post wanted for murder? And you said it was phases like growing up, getting the newspaper for for doing dirt. That's a badge of honor. You didn't see it that way. How did you become to recognize that you had put on this beast that wasn't you and, and begin to start taking that, taking that off? The, 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 okay. So the other thing, Trey, that I, that I want to mention that um, I think that helped me actually uh, evolved into gunplay. Um, because um, one of the things I am a protector by nature, right? Mm -hmm. And I identified with that this morning as I was thinking, meditating. And I was saying, man, it might be some other children out here that's like me, that's protected by nature. There was not a gun. I remember being small, being highly protective over my mm -hmm. mother. And that's how I grew up. I had to be like five or six. Mm -hmm. And I remember just being highly protective. So, so not knowing not knowing that this is part of your nature or your personality, it's kind of easy to uh, graduate to certain things because, you know, protector. yeah. And, and I mean, you, you know, you might can use your words to protect, but when you in this environment, they might be playing with guns or it might be knives. Or, you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So you got to protect according to <laughs> the environment was there. So, um, so it's kind of easy for me to kind of go into that transition. And guess what? feel like, because some of the times I felt like I was right. Mm. Because I figured if I don't start it, if I don't start it, you got it the right. right. You see what I'm saying? So I felt like I was right in, in some aspect. Now, I knew there was some wrong to it because I used to always pray and say, you know what, God, I know I'm doing wrong about being out here selling these drugs. But I hope that I don't have to do anything more than that. And this one, I was mm. in the game, going outside every day, selling drugs every day outside. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Praying that I don't have to get into a situation where I got picked that pistol up. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So there was different little aspects of me, you know what I mean? That, mm -hmm. that was there from my childhood. Mm -hmm. That was still there. But when 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 time came, you know, you know, in this particular case, I had to do some things that you know, almost cost me 75 years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, when you, when you, you, you got caught up, was it a federal case with the FBI? No, uh, it was, uh, it was, uh, what, what would they call it? It's DC Superior Court case. Okay. Okay. The feds did, the um, um, didn't take over at this time. Mm -hmm. Right now, you get locked up. You're going into. You're gonna be sentenced under federal guidelines. Mm, for back then, mm. so yeah. if you would have committed the same crime today, it would have been a federal crime. It, right? It'll be under. You'll be in more than likely. You'll be going into a federal prison or a prison that's been ran under federal guidelines. Understood. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you're looking at 75 years, Rob. You you get a sentence. I I don't know what that timeline, that process is like. Um, you get your sentence. You get to jail. How much time did you end up serving? 
I end up serving 10 years. Mm. Um, so they gave me, they gave me a, a cop. So they gave me a cop um, to five to 15, right? And what is, um, what'd you call it, a cop? A cop, yeah. So it's, it's basically me admitting to, it's a, okay. it's a plea to a lesser charge. Gotcha, right? gotcha, gotcha. So, yeah, so um, they offered that to me. I took it because I knew I was I was guilty mm-hmm. and didn't want to run the risk of going to court Five to and losing the trial. Seventy-five, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, actually, the the okay, so the murder was like twenty to life, but then they tried to say like two or three days later, I went on some killing spree and tried to kill three more people, which. Mm-hmm. That wasn't true, but they did try to add that to the probably charge. And, and, and there goes the system again. I don't know this, but add these charges to you, and you're gonna be more likely to take a deal. And then there's yeah. less work on everybody else to just let's get this yeah. man in the system, get him out the way. They may yeah. may or may not have known, but like you saying, if I go to trial, ain't no telling what else y'all gonna say. Y'all got on me or what kind of? I, I, yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, so in that journey, you got your book, uh, in my mind for a day, how how does this book, um, correlate to the time, the 10 years that you spent in prison? Mm. (laughs) Man, let me tell you, this book embodies my experience and all of the feelings that I had from my youth all the way up to the time I was living that life in the street because I'm thinking how dangerous it was in, in when those late 80s going into the 90s man we're we talking about three to four hundred murders in a year mm. I, I, nobody was playing games out there at all so if you're going to be out there, that gun got to be hot and smoking because mm-hmm. people need to know that you're going to use it. So, but that book embodies different stages of my life, right? Um, because for one, when when I had this conversation with Dr. Majid, um, he mentioned one of the young, he's doing some great work too, advocacy work. Yeah, got some great programs out there. So he mentioned one day in the living room, he said, man, one of the youngest said to him, you ain't nobody else, you got to buy it. Mm. See, that, I, that touched wow. me because I'm saying, I remember, so I remember we didn't have to prove ourselves that way, right? And I remember how much it almost cost me, you see what I'm saying, to, to be validated in that way. Mm. And I remember my heart... I, Listen, there, as time went on, there was other people that started playing with guns before I did. And I still wasn't ready for that. Mm. You see what I'm saying? And they was making the standards and and and, and you could be valid, validated by the things that they doing. You see mm. what I'm saying? Because things started. So the standards started to change. First, it was, this is, you know, it's not something that's written like a constitution, but it's street constitution. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You see what I'm yeah, saying? It's street yeah. code. These people you yeah. grow up with, look up to, and they start making these rules and standards in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I wasn't ready to live up to those standards at that time. But as time evolved, I did. But I'm just thinking about the cost of all of that, like 
to fill them shoes to mm. you ain't nobody that you got about it. You mean I gotta the only way I'm gonna be counted, my wife, my life is worthy of something, is for me to take a life. Mm. Nah. I, I just remember us evolving from from so far fetched from that type of thought mm. to actually coming to a place where we was just like, I'm talking about we were so vicious on each other, man. It it was it was wow. terrible, man. I, I'm talking wow. about that that yeah. Mm. So I'm just I'm just saying I'm just saying when he said I'm saying nah that's too much I don't want it to I don't want that to continue and I'm saying I gotta do something about that mm. I need to come up come against the culture no this can't be your standard I'm telling you listen I'm, I'm let, let me tell you something if anybody got credibility I got credibility to come back and tell you say man that that ain't enough for you to live by. I'm telling you, I'm kind of one of the people that is many people that pioneered this. So I, I, I'm not saying I'm a pioneer, mm -hmm. but, but in my neighborhood, yeah. I'm part of. It. So I'm yeah. saying I'm one of the ones that can rightly come back and say, "Sure, they don't belong to you. That's a burden that you can't carry. That's a debt that we gave to mm -hmm. y'all that is don't belong to you. Mm -hmm. You don't need to carry. It. Mm -hmm. It's not yours to carry. Don't hurt none of this garbage that we didn't say. All that murder game and all that. Nah, it's unfair because we, it wasn't no murder game for us coming up in the 70s, in the early 80s. We weren't doing that. You see what I'm saying? So, no, mm. it's not yours to curry. So, that's that's what that yeah. book, that, that book, man, man is just. These are, Rob, these are generational curses you're breaking, man. And, um, you know, I think um, I think about uh, curses that are on my family, you know, and, and, and curses that are on other folks' family, whether it's, um, you know, disease, infidelity. Uh, jail time, like there's so many things that we face. And what I admire about you, Rob, is that you, I had a coach that said significance is when you help yourself, significance is when you go beyond yourself. Um, as I sit here, I think about breaking the generational curses of my family to, to, to stand on top of their shoulders and bring more people up. Now, and as I think of that, I think of my family first, but I think of the people outside the family who can be impacted as well. And what I'm seeing with you, Rob, is that um, you're making it your duty and responsibility to break the curses of not just the people in your house, but the people in your neighborhood. And that that is powerful, Rob, because while I have uh, a family history to look back upon and I have stories that I can be told about my, my grandfather in 1955 going to college, some of the boys that you're writing to don't have an elder that can lean on that's not in this game. And, right. and that that's crazy to me, Rob. I, I think um just a, a couple more pieces. You know, I was having another conversation yesterday about reality. And um, um it was my guy was saying there's only one reality. I'm like, look, man, I, I hear what you're saying. I know that everything that's going on in the world is happening at the same time, but my world ain't nothing like what's going on in your neighborhood. I don't even know yeah. what your reality is like. And so it yeah, may yeah. be true. It's your truth, but it's not my truth. And it's not uh -huh. the truth that that I live. So thank you for bringing this to light, man. And and, and um, if I could just have you do one more um, the presentation for me, a dramatic presentation, the way you put that suit on, Rob, and, and I'll, I'll spell some of the pieces out for folks. You, you kind of told us the story, but you are a nice boy. You are a nice boy that like to go fishing. 
your hand was forced and you had to go out in the streets. And when you started going in the streets, you started putting on a body of armor, a beast. Can you talk about how you became, I mean, we, you kind of built up that beast, but just how that beast acts, how that beast looks, and then how you got to dismantle that beast and become Rob King again. Yeah, it does. I, I tell you once. It's funny because how I became Rob King is that penitentiary time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. That time make you think, man. Them walls, man. That cell ain't but so big, Trey. And I'm telling you, that silence began to speak to you loudly. Like, dang, I get in this jump. At first you go through a stage of, I probably could have did it differently. But then as you in there, longer and longer you start thinking man why did I choose to make these certain moves that get me to land me here then you start thinking about all the people that kept trying to deter you mm-hmm. on your journey you know what I'm saying but putting on those pieces it just came with the territory you know what I mean yeah um almost like good 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 boy gone bad type thing because mm-hmm. it goes bad because that life you're getting into is bad. Mm-hmm. So you gotta be bad. I tried my best. I was praying. Trey, mm-hmm. I was praying. God, don't bring the trouble. All I want to do is sell these drugs, make me some money, give me some clothes, have some fun. You see what I'm saying? Keep it going. Yeah. Get the girls. That's it. Right? But the game became more treacherous, more dangerous. So when that happened, if you're thinking you're going, okay, you're thinking you're going to spend a lifetime right here, there's got to be a lifetime of you putting that work in mm, because man. this is what comes with it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So you start putting on, like I said, I evolved into that beast because you got to be a beast. Mm-hmm. It's simple. You're going to be out there in the street. You got to be a beast. And, and, and it's not faking. It's you got to do what you got to do if this is where you want to spend the rest of your life at. Mm. If this is where you're saying my career is here <laughs> and it's, it's, it's life of drugs and, and, it's, and it's game, the street life, then, man, this is what you got to do. And you learn to do it. There's be times in your in, in your life that where I would have riding on our way, going around, going around the way, set up shop. Well, I'm thinking to myself, hey, man, how I get here? Oh, man. Mm. I want the money, but I don't really want the rest of this stuff for real, for real. You know? Yeah. So so there's times where that little, um, I want to say my good upbringing will come out. My good uh, senses or thoughts or reasoning will come out. Like, mm. man, I don't know. I don't know about this right here. You know what I'm saying? Mm. You got moments. What I call that okay. So when I had when I call what I do was thought provoking presentation. I want to provoke your thought. So if I could, that thought I, I consider it like to be a light. It illuminates your mind to a point that you can see past the, the, your present situation and you mm-hmm. see clearly and you see right. And you say, oh whoa. I need to go that way for real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then that moment, that little window closed in that darkness back then, you're like, Damn. man, I got back on the corner. This is what wow. I got to do. 
Wow. So I had moments like that while I was in the street. Wow. Evolving into that beast, I still wow. had those moments. You know, eye-opening windows, pockets, moments of seeing what's true. This right here, bro. <laughs> this ain't going to last long. This got, this got a bad end. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So that's what I try to offer the kids through my yeah. presentations. Those po- just thought-provoking presentations. Yeah. 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 Wow. Wow. And I think Rob meant to 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 tie in, you know, a couple more pieces. I think one in that presentation in Maryland, you you pointed out you put on a wig, you put on gloves, you covered up your whole self, but you left your back open, and you left your back open in in, in reference to somebody can see who I really am. Yeah, yeah. I'm still in there, right? Yeah. And you, the teacher, the school leader, the school psychologist. You the one that can find me and you can you can pull you can get me out of this suit if you're willing to do that work. Uh-huh. That's so powerful, Rob. And yeah. and I have to say, you know, my last caveat, the story that you're sharing, your evolution is not much different than mine. Uh-huh. The evolution just went in the opposite direction. So I, I often find myself staring at opportunities, though. My opportunities don't involve pistols, they involve uh, quotes and contracts, you know what I'm saying? They involve <laughs> yeah. flights to Nova Scotia. You know, that, that's the yeah, yeah, yeah. development process yeah. that I'm on. And it's no different. So they you, they have that term, you'll be successful at whatever it is you want to do. These skills that you learn in the game on the street can translate to other places. But we've got to have the people like yourself, like the teachers that care, that know how to pull that out of kids so that we can yes. go in the direction. Because there's so many, again, I heard another podcast the other day um, with Steven Jackson and uh, Matt Barnes. They was like, man, everybody knows somebody that they went to high school with that was the best athlete they ever seen that's in jail. You know, and that could mm-hmm. be said true for the best businessman you've ever seen, the best father you've ever seen. Some of the best people you have, may have ever met in your life are in jail. And just imagine if, Though you was in jail, Rob, Mm -hmm. you could have still been there. And your book and all the things, all the value that you've had added to the world might not have shown up. And so the fact that you get to share that, man, it's it's a true testament. It's a true Mm -hmm. testament. So I thank you for sharing your story, for being open, for being honest, for being being the man that you are. There's so many questions I got to ask you. I'm just going to ask you personally and not with everybody else. Um, Because I... yeah, I I want to know more, Rob, but we ain't got time today. So uh, yeah. that just means we got to bring you back and we got to continue building our, our relationship as well. Rob, any any final thoughts for the folks that you want to leave us with? Oh, no, nah, man. I, I just want to do want to say, c- commend you. He's well-spoken brother, man. And um, I was highly impressed by you and Dr. McClure, man. I know I got you guys by maybe a couple of years and I was privilege mm. to stand side by side with y'all. Y'all was well-spoken. I saw the conviction on y'all. Y'all spoke mm. with conviction. You see what mm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I'm saying to have that from young black men, man, the future is promising mm. when we got people like you and Dr. McClure out here doing the work, mm. especially being able to speak to other people on different levels, mm. the educators, the teachers, the school sites. Man, that's, I'm talking about, that's amazing. Yeah. And that's why I was highly emotional about it mm. because, man, I mean, I'm saying this space right here, mm. you know what I'm saying? It's like light at the end of the tunnel. You see mm. what I'm saying? And um, so, man, 
yeah, keep doing what you're doing, bro. Yes, and um, most definitely keep doing what you're doing. And, man, hopefully I'll pass, man, cross again. And uh, we continue to do this work. And we'll see some lives saved yeah. and changed. Yeah. And create those opportunities. Not the ones where they got to do what I had to do. You said, oh, go through what I had to go through to make a life change. But the ones that you had, you mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Speaking engagements, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. All these different things like that. Through trips yeah. to Canada. You know what I'm saying? That's what mm-hmm. I want to create for mm-hmm. these youngers out here. So, yeah, I, I commend you, brother. Yeah. They, they got it. It's different levels to the work, you know, and, 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 and that's what I appreciate, too. The same thing you're saying, you know, being... Uh, young black men and be able to speak at different levels and phases and stages of life. That's what mm-hmm. it takes. Cause it's not, it's room out here for all of us and, and mm-hmm. it's going to take all of us to make a difference. So um, Rob, where can the people find you at? And find oh yeah. Book man. Too? Oh yeah. The book is on amazon.com. Um, and my IG is four Kings underscore outreach. Four Kings underscore outreach. My uh, email is the number 4koutreach at gmail.com. 4koutreach at gmail.com. Right on. And I'll make sure to include those links in the description of the video. Check out In My Mind for a Day on Amazon.com by Rob King. Rob, it's been such a pleasure. If you like this episode, share it with the educator who needs to hear it. Talk to somebody about it. If you know somebody in your classroom, share this episode with them or buy them In My Mind for a Day with Rob King. We appreciate you so much. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll see you next time. This is The Dash. Thanks for listening to us on The Dash Podcast. I definitely hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you liked it, share it with a friend, share it with an educator, share it with someone who needs to hear the message from this episode. You can visit our website, seleducators.com, to learn more about our online courses and professional development training for schools and districts. We'll see you next time. This is The Dash.